Hello and welcome back to the Men You're Not Alone podcast. This will be episode 25 or 26. This will be another installment of the What Do Men Think series. And sitting across the table from me today is a gentleman who would like to be known as Anonymous. And um, Anonymous, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. How old are you, Anonymous? I'm in my 40s. You're in your 40s. Are you Hanging married? on by a thread. Married. Yeah. You're married? Married, yeah. You have kids? Four kids. Ooh, four kids. What are their age ranges? Uh, 22 to 15. So Girls or boys? All girls. All girls. A lot of estrogen in my house. I'm noticing a trend in them. In, yeah? In this. A lot of girls. Yeah? A lot of girls with dads here. Well, I think, you know, God, there's already enough man in my house just trying to even it out. <laughs> so, there you go. Oh, how about a general summary of your line of work? I work with people. Okay. We'll, leave it, we'll leave it there. Okay. Leave we'll keep it really vague for right now. All right. Um, do you have any involvement in the community in uh, outside of like work? Yeah, I'm involved in a local nonprofit uh, quite a bit. And, of course, my kids are in school, so stuff with them all along the years. Okay. What kind of nonprofit? Uh, it's a food ministry, food pantry. Okay. So I work right. with them. All right. Well, let's jump into the questions here. Right. So if you were to grab a handful of the issues faced by, by men in our culture today, issues that stand out to you a bit from others, which ones would they be and why do these issues stand out to you? Well, I, think there's a, I mean, there's a lot of them off the top. I think ultimately we were designed to be in relationship with God and relationship with other people. And I think we don't do either one of those particularly well. Mm -hmm. So I think you see a lot of people disconnected from one or the other. And as they're disconnected, they medicate that through a whole host of opportunities. And the medications are worse than the disease. And here we are. So they try to you know drink that down or work that out or go to the gym to fix it or... Or the sinful and moral stuff along the way, and man, just all trying to cover the cover the holes that were designed to be there in the first place. Okay. What about any? I mean, any any specific issues that you see? That well, I you think see men struggling with. I think along it's isolation, and they can be in a crowd of people and still be isolated. But I think it's the isolation piece. I think a lot of guys don't really have anybody who knows what they're dealing with, and, and so they're just putting their head down and trying to do the best they can. Okay. But nobody really knows their junk. Nobody knows their junk. Yeah. And everybody's got it. And yeah. because no one's talking about it, everybody assumes that their people don't have it either. They're the only people with junk. If they do you, they know better. So you're, oh, no. You're, you're full of... I have a lot of junk. You're full of well, something. I have a lot of junk. Yeah. As you look back over the past couple of years here in the U.S., um, what changes or shifts have you seen in people and or our culture, if any? Well, I think there's a few. We're a lot more polarized than we were okay. just a few years ago. You know, we, we divide over everything now. So politics is an obvious one. We divide over if you've had the mask or don't have the mask or vaccine or don't have the vaccine or you think this is a virus or it's not a virus. or We, we divide over everything now. And... We, we use that as a, a litmus test. So if somebody's on the wrong side of blank issue, now I can't trust them on anything because they're... Because of that them. one issue? Yeah, it's us and them. Yeah. So everybody's got their different litmus test, but there's litmus tests everywhere. So that's a big deal. 
very polarized, very isolated more than before. COVID's led to that. People working from home, which in some ways is great. In some ways that's difficult. Not the last two years, but I mean the, the whole invention of commuting or the last couple generations. It's, it's just more and more isolation. More and more isolation. Do you see any, because you do work with a lot of people, mm-hmm. do you see any specific impacts that you see in people like one-on-one like because you do have opportunity to help people address some of those issues as time moves along. Is there any like a distinctive pattern you see? Like, do you see issues, more issues in marriages or more issues between parents and children? Or is there anything that you see? I don't know what one more than the other of those, but I think, yeah, all of, I mean, all of those people don't know. People don't relate well to one another. Because of the busyness of things. I did a podcast a while back and the guys was talking about how things have changed over the last 50 years or whatever number it was. And, and how many time-saving devices. They were they were referring back to 100 years ago or something. I can't remember what the date was. but And they were saying that the average, uh, it's about a woman in a particular study, the average woman in that time period, 100 years ago, whatever, essentially spent the entire day preparing meals and processing all of that mm-hmm. for the family, you know, that's really all that that's all that was done during the day. And now that's a very small portion of the day in a family to prepare meals. And yet we filled that time up. You know, they would assume we had all of this oodles of leisure time now that we sure, don't free time. And we've not we've not used that to connect. Was the point of that podcast? We've not used that that time to connect. So now we're we're busy. We're moving more work or more entertainment or more travel or more whatever, but we're not connecting. And then even beyond that, it's of course cell phones and all that kind of stuff. So now people are ignoring people they're with to be with somebody who's not with them. And yeah, so I think it's causing, I think a lot of relationships are shallow now, which then paves the way for all the other vices to cover that empty spot. Sure. Do you ever get asked this question? I would say probably one of the, you don't ask it yet, so I'm not sure which one. One of the is. most common questions I get asked is, "Are you keeping busy?" And that always seemed like such a foreign question to me. Like of all the questions you could ask somebody when you walk up to them, "Are you keeping busy?" Well, I, I've said it a different way. I think, I think that's the most common answer. You ask somebody how they're doing, and busy is the number one answer, which is a weird, peculiar answer. It's a weird measure of anything to me. Well, if it's always the answer then that's not the answer. You know, that's, that's not the condition of the season. That's the, the life. You're, that's a lifestyle. Yeah. If it's always the answer, then that's not an answer. Uh, but yeah, I think if you start, stop back and listen, that's, that is the number one answer is busy. How you doing busy? <laughs> How's it going? Busy. Like, yeah. Stupid. Yeah. I don't think that's changed in the last 20 years so much. It's just always busy. Oh, I think it has. I think it's gotten more. I think it's gotten more. Like I remember a friend of mine, this would have been 15, 20 years ago, was telling me, but he was comparing to when he was a kid. And he's he's a little bit older than me, so what are the timelines? 84. But he was talking about, he said, when he was a kid, his grandparents every Friday night would go to McDonald's to go out to eat. He said, I don't consider McDonald's going out to eat. That's filling a hole. Like I'm driving from A to B and I've got to, I got to stuff something in my stomach so I can drive to the next spot 
So I stopped getting McDonald's, but that's not that's not going out to eat. It's, yeah. I, yeah, I think if you go back over, it's happened slowly, but if you go back over the 30, 40 years, you know, the, the amount of time we spend busy is, it, it continues to grow. Right. Yeah, and, when I'm not particularly helpful. Yeah, when I was young, we uh, my mom would take us, that was right as Taco Bell came out, and every Sunday we'd go out to eat at Taco Bell yeah. after church. Yeah. It was the only time she said, eat as much as you want, because they were like 19-cent tacos. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you, you wouldn't necessarily consider going out to eat. You wouldn't consider Taco Bell going out to eat now. No. Taco Bell is... It's a stomachache. Well, it, it's a... It's... Yeah, we've got a short window. It's like grabbing a candy bar at a convenience store. Yeah, we've got... It's about sh- the same level. Yeah, we got a short window of time, so we got to just fill the stomach on the way between yeah. A and B. Yeah, yeah but it, that's become the thing. For sure. Well, um, Anonymous, as you look back over your life, were there any men who made a significantly positive impact or caused a, a causative, caused a positive course correction in your life? If yes, who were they, and how did they impact or change your course in a positive way? Oh, just a few, for sure. I had two older brothers, my dad, all three of them were, I was the youngest of three. So all three of them, you know, in, in different ways have been impacts for sure in my life. Uh, there was one pastor growing up, he actually managed the camp, the church camp I would go to. Uh, he and I were pretty close. But the, the thing about the, his influence was primarily the camp. The camp was very, it was very, uh, you saw life change happening. People were called to to really put their faith on the line and live that out. And so that was a, that was a pretty impactful thing. It was, it was at a church camp that I did, I made some changes about life and decided what I was going to do with life and how I was going to spend time in my life and all those. How old were you then ballpark? Uh, it started when I was in elementary school, but all the way through high school. I mean, I went okay. all the way till I graduated. I, mean, I, was, I was going to camp. Okay. So with your, with your father and stuff, because there are a lot of fathers who are listening to this. Mm-hmm. So how did your father impact your life? How did he, how did, how was he a positive influence in your life? I, I think there's a lot of traits, you know, I've always heard characters caught more than it's taught, you know, and I think that's true with dads, probably especially, but you just saw the way he lived his life. So he worked hard. He was always working hard. He, you know, when I was a little boy, he, he had the farm that he ran, but as, as the kids got older, he started working part-time on top of his farm and mom started working part-time and in addition to staying home with us, then he went to full-time, still kept the same size farm. Mom went full-time. They're working very hard to, you know, to put food on the table, take care of the family and all that kind of stuff. So that was a big deal. Hard work's always been a big value to me. I'm sure I caught that from, from both of them, not just him. Is your dad still alive? Mm-hmm. Okay. But then also they took their faith real seriously, and that was a big deal because in as hard as they were working, I always remember on, on Sundays, just a rare a rare time on Sundays if they didn't stop everything and just take the day off, you know. Yeah. And working like dogs all week long. So there's plenty of stuff they could have been doing. But they would take the day off and, and you'd hear them talking about it. You know, they, I remember a number of times where mom and dad would be having a conversation maybe on a Saturday about, you know, is the ox in the ditch? Is this is this a is this a comparison to the ox being in the ditch? Because Jesus said if the ox is in the ditch, you can work on Sabbath. And so, you know, if there had been a lot of rain and he couldn't get the crop in or this or that, and 
and the ox is kind of in the ditch. Okay, we agree on that. And so they, <laughs> then he'd work on Sunday. But otherwise, he was in church and had his family in church and wouldn't work. And that's all a big deal. That's the way he cared about my mom, the way they, they interacted. They've got a great relationship. I, I I had no idea when I was a kid really what what a special deal it was because I don't I remember maybe one time I think one time when my mom and dad got really mad at each other to this day you know they still live in the same house that I always lived in I I only lived in one house as a kid yeah. they're still in that house I mean it's just like you know the stability that I had I didn't realize was a big deal and I think I thought I probably would have assumed it's just the default and it's not the default so that's a big deal so was uh, he encouraging to you? Like, I don't, I mean, I didn't grow up with you. So sure. was he an encouraging sort of, like if you were to kind of summarize, was it, was he more on the stern side? The, the, no, he liked to laugh and he had a good sense of humor and, and, um, and that kind of, I mean, he would be tough when he needed to be for sure. We had three boys and knock our heads together sometimes, but, but no, I think he was a, he was a fun person. Mom laughed a lot. There's a lot of laughter in our home. Did she? Yeah. So yeah, I think. And then what about a quick tangent with your brothers? So how did they, how did they impact your life or continue to impact your life, or probably in different ways? I'm guessing. I think in different ways. I mean, you, you see, as the youngest, you're, you're kind of following footsteps, good and bad. I want to be more of this and less of that, or whatever. And I think you see a little bit of both of those. Like my my oldest brother is in the same line of work I'm in, and so was that part of? Did that make that? that paved the way for that probably he's five years older than me. So I mean, I could see that's probably easier to get into that line of work. Cause that's not what my dad did. My middle brother was very entrepreneurial and I've kind of got an entrepreneurial bent about, about me and very hardworking. And so I, I probably got that from, not from him, from my parents, but, but modeled that off of him probably at some level. So yeah, I mean, I could see, which in I could a see. way, from the way you describe your father, it sounds like all of those traits sort of trickled out of your dad into each of you three boys. And my mom, measures. for sure. And yeah. your mom, yeah, your mom. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think they were both... Hard work has always been a big value to me through the staff I lead now and, and just in my own life. And I think for sure that came from both of them. I mean, they were they worked hard and that was that was seen as a value. Like, you don't... You know, anybody can be hardworking, you know. Sure. Maybe you don't have the money or the ability or this or that, but everybody can work hard. And I think it was a, that was, and I don't remember there being lots of conversations about that. So it wasn't like that was a lecture all the time. It was just, that's how they did. And they expected us to do it. And so I often had jobs when I was in high school and middle school and, and still kept my grades up and all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you're like when I was in high school, there was a, a ski place. You're from Colorado. So it's not the same as that, but there's a ski place in my hometown. And so two winters, my junior and senior year, when I wasn't playing sports, before that I was playing sports, my junior and senior year, when I wasn't good enough to play sports anymore, sure. uh, I worked at that ski place both winters. And so you'd work one or two days, afternoons during the week. And then on the weekend, I would go in at fr- on Friday at 10 at night. So go to school all day, hang out with friends, go to the ball game, whatever, in the afternoon. And then at 10 at night, when I was going home to go to bed, I would go to work and work until 6.30 the next morning, Saturday morning, sleep all day because I'd been up for what, A very long hours. time, yes. Been pretty close to 24 hours. So I'd sleep all day. 10 o'clock on Saturday night, I'd go to work again. 
worked till 6.30 Sunday morning. And then I always went to church because of family expectations. So I was like, you can have that job, but you got to go to church. So I would, I tried staying up and that, that was a disaster. So what I would end up doing is I would lay down for like an hour and a half sleep, get up like a zombie because I'd been up again a big chunk of time. But then I'd stay up the rest of the afternoon because I went to sleep that hour. I'm sleeping that night. And so I would stay up on an hour and a half sleep the rest of Sunday and then go to bed that night and go to school and you know, switch back to days again, right? Which is just crazy. But I mean, it is that idea of you work hard, what you do. Yeah, it's just what you do. So I don't know that I was ever encouraged to get a job. I don't know that they ever, they certainly never browbeat me into getting a job. That was always just kind of, and I worked for a carpenter in the summers and we put up hay and we built fences and do all the stuff, right? When I was uh, eighth grade, I think it was, I worked for a chicken farmer. Did you ever see Napoleon Dynamite? <laughs> yes. I was that job. Were you? As an eighth, seventh, eighth grader. And I was making, that was back, how many years ago? I was making eight, nine, ten bucks an hour. Oh. Because it's piece rate. Okay. So the faster you went, the more money you got. Okay. So it was a horrible job, but I eight, nine bucks an hour that many years ago. Sure. That was a great job. That was a good gig. And because uh, inflation on that would be what? I don't know. 100,000 a year or something. Yeah, like probably close to anymore. So, yeah, I mean, but it's terrible and you, you stunk when you got done. It was sweaty and hot and nasty and. But you work. That's what you. That's what you do. So, that's well, definitely been it. Has there ever been a time in your life when you allowed yourself to become isolated? And if there was, what caused that to happen? And then, how did you get back out of it? I don't know. That I ever had a time where I've been. Right when I got out of college, I was single and moved in an area I didn't really know anybody well. I knew one guy a little bit. That's why I moved. To, that's one of the reasons I moved to that area. And so we roomed together with two other guys, and but I, we weren't close, and we didn't get close while we lived together. And so there was probably well, about a year. I guess I think I had a year lease with them. That I was very isolated for that year. Okay. So I'd I'd go to work, but the line of work I was in didn't allow a lot of free time. It was pretty, and then you know when I was off. I was miserable because I didn't, I didn't really know anybody. So there was, there was a time for sure. Outside of that, there hasn't been much. The hard part of that, too, was that was right out of college. And college is the time that you're the most social because you have all these friends that are your same age, your same. So I went from one of the most socially integrated times to one of the least in a turn of a key there. But outside of that, I've not had a time, I don't think. But I think it's always a possibility. I mean, you're always moving toward or away sure. from isolation. For sure. All right. So let's, let's say I can bring the, an 18-year-old version of you out here and sit him down at the table. And I can snap my finger and he has to listen to what you want him to hear. What advice would you give to yourself at 18? Don't be so afraid. Don't be so afraid? I think there's there's some things that I think a lot of the things I've done over the years are things that I would have wanted to do at 18, but it was hard for me to do because I was just afraid I'd, I wouldn't do it right or I wouldn't know what I was doing or I wouldn't. So I don't know that I would have done it differently. I just think I would have. Yeah, I'm not saying you would have done it differently. But I think I think I would have handled it differently. I think I'm probably more outspoken now than I was then. 
it sounds like it. I have a hard time imagining you being someplace where you don't know people and that keeping you kind of isolated because you were not that man now. No, I wasn't that. Well, when I was in high school, middle school, high school, I was, I was pretty shy, honestly. And so kind of awkward, all of that, which I think all that led together. But so, yeah, even in college, I wasn't, I wasn't very confident for sure. It was like, I did really well in school. I was a good student. I worked hard and reasonably intelligent or whatever, you know? So, <laughs> so that was, I was able to do that well. Okay. But, but I wasn't a confident person about the things that matter when you're in school. Right. So don't be afraid. Anything else that you would advise yourself at 18? I, that's the thing that comes to mind. Okay. Because again, I think I think I was pretty. I don't know that isolated was the thing at eighteen for me. I think I was probably a little more just skittish, a little tentative, a little had ideas and plans and dreams, but no. It just took a lot to move on those. You know? Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip it just one way, just for a second here to ask you, because I'm hoping. To at least make this podcast appeal to young men. Sure. That's, you know, I'd like to catch them, guys in their late teens, yep. you know, 16 and up. And right now that is a a somewhat struggling age group yep. to try to find a place. So if there's a 17-year-old, and 18-year-old sitting out there listening who feels kind of alone, not very confident. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you would say to him? Like, is it, is it, is it as gloomy as it looks? I don't think it's gloomy. No, I think there's a lot of opportunity. I think there's a lot of opportunity in our country that's not anywhere else. And I think that's a, don't take that for granted. I, I think something, somebody told me once, I don't know who, which famous person came up with it. I'm sure somebody, because I've heard it other places, but said there's, um, at 17, 18, you will very likely overestimate what you can do in a short period of time, but I don't know underestimate what you can do in a long period of time. I think that's probably true. Okay. Um, so I think a lot of 16, 17 year, 18 year old versions of us won't be able to snap our fingers and have whatever it is sure. immediately. And so then life beats that out of you pretty quick. And so I think a lot of them come out of that then say, well, I was just idealistic and optimistic and now I know better. So I won't shoot for those things when that wasn't really the message. The message should have been, this is just going to take a long time. Yeah, maybe a fifteen-year plan instead yeah. of a one-year plan. Yeah. So, make progress on it. You know, don't be afraid to get started. You know, from where we are, if we went to downtown, forty-five minutes away, if we waited till every stop traffic light turned green before we started, we'd never get out of the driveway. So you just you got to start. You get to the first traffic light, and you wait till it turns green, and then you go through, and you get to the next one, the next one, the next one. And, and pretty soon you've made the 45-minute trek downtown. But I think a lot of us, especially younger versions of us, want to wait till it all lines up and it's all green before you get out of the driveway. And that's just never going to happen. Yeah. And I have noticed that in talking with a lot of younger guys. But I, don't, I think the mistake then, the lesson learned, quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see that. The lesson learned is I was young and idealistic. I shouldn't have thought I could make it downtown. So I'll just stay here in the driveway. And that's not the that's not the correct message. I think a lot of 
40 year old men have that message having been drilled in their head when the message should have been just start out. Just get to the next light. Yeah, you'll get to the next light and then you'll figure out what to do then. Absolutely. And you may not know right when you get there, you have to wait for traffic to pass and yellows and greens and all this stuff, but you you can get through it and then you'll get to the next one and then you get to the next one. <laughs> and then maybe you get two or three of them in a row where it's all green and yeah. hallelujah. That's a great day. But but just get started on it. You know? Don't wait for somebody else to line it up for you. They're probably not going to. But also don't wait until it all seems to line up for you. It probably won't. Yeah. Uh, but the world needs the world needs people who are going to move the ball down the court in, in ways that matter. Not just in ways that make their company rich or ways that make their pocket full, but ways that make a difference in the lives of people. So find that burning sense inside of you and, and chase that. Okay. That's some, that's some good advice. All right. Well, thank you for being here. Yep. I do appreciate it. This will wrap up episode 25 or 26 of the Men You Are Not Alone podcast and another uh, installment of What Do Men Think? And I hope that this day finds you doing well. And I hope you are returning the favor to those around you. And I will catch you on the next one.